Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm doing this intro for the second time, and with me this week is youth co-director and coffee drinking aficionado, Daniel Rice. Worship director and wedding ring prior out of a washing machine, Scott Reed. (laughs) Associate pastor, and what's your secret skill, Bill? Hmm. I can slurp whole things of Jello. Big slurper, Bill Muffin. <laughs> what is a whole thing of Jello? How much Jello is that? Well, it's, it's like a little plate. I, this happened in seminary. <laughs> they always have this Jello as part of dessert, and I get it. And one day, I don't know what possessed me to do this. I just leaned down on the table and just went. <laughs> like some kind of lizard <laughs> sucked it all down and just, just like that so everybody saw that and was like that is so cool <laughs> so then it was Bill Bill you gonna slurp jello today come over here and sit with us and do that <laughs> Bill's slurping gal yeah. <laughs> wow. oh man uh, when was the last time you slurped jello probably Ooh. then <laughs> you were famous for it oh man it, and it's easy to do I don't know why they didn't do it uh <laughs> Uh, Daniel, will you pray for us? Yeah. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, just the ways that you continue to work in all of our lives, um, whether it's slurping jello or finding a wedding ring. I pray that you would just uh, help us to learn more about you, grow closer to you um, during this conversation, and that your name would be glorified in all that is, then in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, Scott, would you rather pry your wedding ring out of a washing machine or start the podcast on time? No, uh, take it away with some would you rathers. I didn't have a second one. I apologize. It's okay. Um, yeah. So we're going to do mix and matches again. Woo. Woo. That's my favorite. I know. It makes fun. me feel... Alive. Alive. <laughs> First time in 20 years. Mix and match makes me feel like there's order to the universe. Mm. Irony. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Daniel, would you rather dig a 30-foot deep hole with a shovel or be accidentally hit in the head with a rubber hose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Accidentally hit in the head very hard with a rubber hose. Oh. That changes things. Um, I, I take getting hit by the rubber hose. Well, how it'd be a fun story. Uh, Oh, look, his his hair is going to cushion the blow. (laughs) And my head has been through many uh, hits before. So I should be fine. Fair enough. Many a hose fight. Max, would you rather have arms that hang to the ground or be a man that uses that spray stuff in a can to color his scalp? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to go with my arms hanging to the ground. Imagine how long they'd be. Nice. <laughs> Match my you nose. In the NBA, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> to match my nose from last week. You just, <laughs> yeah, just these then massive orangutan arms. <laughs> if your nose has an itch, that's true. I could scratch it. it all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, would you rather live for ten additional years at the top of your game, or stand for only a minute each day? <laughs> 
Whoa. <laughs> I think running counts as standing. I, I don't, I don't. Oh, you got to sit down day. the rest of your day? Yeah. Or lie down. Or like crawl around on the floor. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want Maybe that. Maybe cartwheels. No, no, no. <laughs> this is one of those ones that is not really a, a question. <laughs> um, would I rather see in only two dimensions? I can't even fathom what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means I think it means uh, you have no depth. At, yeah. yeah, at any time your vision is just like a slice. So does mm-hmm. that does it mean that I can't like discern depth? Right. Or does yeah. it mean that when I look at everything like I like the, whatever that thing is, the the effect is called, where things that are further away appear smaller. Oh, they, sure. Does everything just appear the same size? Um. Oh. Well, I, I assume we're going to hear what the other one is, but can you read it for comparison? It's not helpful. What is it? <laughs> I'll tell. We're going to go back. Hear everything in three dimensions. <laughs> you're not that far off. Um. <laughs> well, do we want to say that you're in third person, <laughs> and so you see yourself from like this third person two D? No, it's like living in a cartoon. But, right, but like but a two D cartoon. That I understand, but the the seeing in two dimensions is yeah. It never occurred to me whether or not cartoon people could see past each other. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Scott. All right, Bill's well, taking notes. It right says now. see in only two dimensions, or have to spend the rest of my life only seeing and interacting with people sixty years old. <laughs> well, I think not sixty-one, just sixty. Just sixty. <laughs> oh. I think I'm going to go with the sixty-year-old because I still I don't understand. In only two dimensions. That'd be heartbreaking. You only get one year with a person. Say goodbye mm, to Leah. True. You'd rather well, say goodbye to point. Leah. I guess I'm sorry. I, I got so caught up in trying to define the two dimensions that like my brain was kind of no. weighing the two other options, like the two halves of the actual 60-year-old question. I think oh, I'll choose to see it only two it was, dimensions. It was an honest mistake, and there's no take backs. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, Bill, would you rather... Wait. How am I going to do this? Would you rather... Wait. I made it. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to. <laughs> That's familiar. <laughs> Daniel, would you rather be a man who wears a noticeably ugly toupee or be seven feet tall with your legs being only two of the seven feet? Just the longest torso on planet Earth. Oh. Hey, it could all be forehead. It could all be forehead. <laughs> Which would really help with that hose situation. <laughs> oh, I'd much rather keep my real hair and just be a seven foot tall, yes. weirdly wow. proportioned refrigerator man. man. That's okay. <laughs> I like right. that. I like um, that, Daniel. Fair enough. Max, would you rather speak for only a minute each day or live for 30 additional years in which you have moments of brilliance amidst trials and tragedies? <laughs> Definitely. The 30 more years. Okay. <laughs> I like speaking. <laughs> Fair enough. Bill, would you rather have to spend the rest of your life only seeing and interacting with people that are 15 years old or only hear things you are looking at? <laughs> it sounds like Bill's oh. personal hell. <laughs> I'll, I, I'm already pretty much at that only hear things I'm looking at. <laughs> pretty much learn how to tune out everything. Wait, does that so that's mean, more of a normal life for me. Does that mean you'd be able to hear a tulip? If you're looking at Whoa, a tulip? That, that would be a big bonus. I, I just took it to mean, mm-hmm. you ever, if you ever notice, the people that are really, really terrible drivers are generally men that are 60 and up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. they're not, they're just not paying attention. 
I don't know how they're alive. You know, well, <laughs> me. I don't know how I'm alive. I don't know how, well, I'm thinking of this one specific thing that happened when I was running. This this old man was at a parking lot, real close to Edgewater and Glen Ellen Road, that mm-hmm. tiny little plaza. So he's coming out of this plaza, and I'm running across, and he doesn't see me. So I look up and just shout out, hey, old man. <laughs> and he's, he gives me like, a, who's the old man? You're the old man. He's going to run me over you, goof. And it's because he, even though he's kind of like looking at me, he doesn't see me. He just, he doesn't, he's just not with it. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would I rather be accidentally hit in the head very hard with a sock with a potato in it? <laughs> Shoot. Or dig a five-foot deep hole with my hands. <laughs> um, what are you digging in, I wonder? It doesn't say where I'm digging. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, the five-foot deep hole. Do you I, get I hit in the head with the sock once with a potato? Very hard. <laughs> yeah, but is it a rotten potato? Oh, yeah, maybe it's a potato. Just blows up with a <laughs> Not a big deal. sock full of mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I keep mine. Uh, Bill, give me a number between one and a thousand. And one. Oh, you went last week. Yes. Scott. Sorry, Bill. Mm. Scott, give me a number oh, between Oh, man, my heart set on it. I had a number. <laughs> what was it? 232 and a third. <laughs> Round down. 232. 232. Daniel, tell us what we're reading from. We're reading a hundred or thousand and one questions. <laughs> Go ahead. A thousand and one questions. You I just listened to this episode <laughs> and it made me laugh again. It cracks me up that you listened to the podcast. Well, Lee you was were listening on. to it oh, and I heard it. A thousand and one yep. things you need to know you didn't know to ask about the Bible by Yes. Jay Stephen Lang. A thousand and one things to know that you didn't know about the Bible by Joseph Stefan Long. <laughs> uh, number 232 from the section Sins, Crimes, and Villains. Ooh. Number 232, The Fall of Man. This phrase doesn't wow. appear in the Bible, but the concept is present, particularly in Paul's letters. Adam, the original man, yielded to temptation and disobeyed God. His punishment was banishment from Eden and eventually death. By one act of disobedience, Adam brought sin into the world and all his descendants have followed in his footsteps. Thus men fell from a happy existence and a right relationship with God into a troubled life where he must look forward to death. Romans 5. Um, uh, it's kind of, uh, if it wasn't for Paul saying, um, you know, by one man sin enters the world and by one man we can be saved, I would have a lot more questions about why is it that the sins of Adam carry on to his children? Like, why does Adam's genetic code have to change to make his children naturally sin, right? Because his children are the first ones who sin from birth. Adam lived a whole couple of days without sinning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, is... um, is kind of a, a bit of a left turn, but now that I'm thinking about it, I know Scott, you're looking something up, so feel free to bring us back onto topic when when you get there. But um, this is one of those questions about like the nature of heaven and and sort of your concept of the nature of of heaven. 
But Bill, in your mind, will there be any more children born in heaven? No. Jesus said there is no marrying or giving in marriage. Mm. Mm. When did he say that? When the Sadducees tried to mm-hmm. trap him with that scenario of scenario of um, there was a man, he died, mm-hmm. his brother had mm. to marry his wife. Well, then they take it out seven times, and Jesus says, you err not knowing the scriptures. And then he goes on to say, in heaven there's no... There's no giving and taking a marriage. Sure. That's how we know. And in heaven, you're not going to have a kid without being married. Right. So there you go. That's a really good point. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So then there's just going to be a limit of humans that Mm. ever exist. There will be a fine, unless God. Probably billions though. Sure. Well, sure. Yeah. But that's kind of, that's kind of wild that God's going to stop making new humans potentially. Unless he's just mm-hmm. making them himself, you know, like he did Adam. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Scott, what did, you, uh, what did you look up? I looked up the curse in Genesis 3, but it didn't really say anything about, at least not to Adam, about like... About why it gets passed on. Yeah. I don't remember it even when his children are born. I don't remember there being like any kind of point of like, oh, wow... And then to their shock and horror, like their children sinned. Um, like, and I think that's one of the things that Genesis kind of takes for granted is like, look, you know that people are broken. Uh, the real trick is how did we get broken? Not was it a surprise that we stayed broken? But I guess my only other question off of, off of that topic is why is it that even when we are saved, we are not capable of living sinless lives post-salvation? Like, why is it that even though we can accept Jesus and have the Holy Spirit live in us and, you know, have the guarantee that one day we will be made sinless, and not only will our previous sins be taken away, but in heaven we won't sin anymore, why can't that happen here on earth in us now? Well, I don't think it can, but Wesleyan sanctification says that you could be sinlessly perfect. After you get saved. Yes. They have a different definition of sin, which I'm not prepared to say what it is, but it's it, even, even of... with that different definition, how in the world? Did... But, but, I mean, he had a lot of followers, and Wesley isn't some little tiny guy with right. five followers. That, that was a big, big group of people. Right, but I, I, I look at them in amazement and say, "How did you buy into that?" Mm-hmm. I think their definition of sin is something, if I'm remembering correctly, something on the lines of like human like fallibility and like making mistakes mm-hmm. isn't kind of under the umbrella of sin, but it's more like deliberate choices of evil. Mm-hmm. Some I might be kind of misrepresenting it, but I think that's kind of the the trend that they go. Which I agree, still doesn't. I still don't know that you could do that, but... Yeah. What would you say is the point of, you know, the Holy Spirit, us trying to be more like God, the Holy Spirit trying to make us more like Jesus while we're still here on earth? If if we're not going to successfully become sinless uh, in this lifetime, why are we trying to become more like Jesus? Well... 
Well, I wonder if, <clears throat> to an extent, like, there's that adage of, like, if if that was the case, if we could become perfect, mm. then, like, what's, like, we just go go to heaven, right? Right. Um, or, like, if we choose to be saved, then, like, we should just go to heaven. Like, why don't, why doesn't that happen? That, that question. So I wonder if part of our journey of being coming, becoming sanctified, going closer to God also helps others see, like, see the goodness of God. Hmm. So like, as, like, as Paul was going on the process of, becoming a Christian, um, devoting his life to follow Jesus, he then was able to bring others alongside with him and see that process as well. And, like, Paul's still having the thorn in his side and, like, a bunch Mm -hmm. of other things Mm -hmm. for the glory of God. And I think if we were to become perfect right away, then Christians wouldn't be able to relate well with the rest of the world. Hmm. And that's exactly opposite of what Jesus coming to live on this earth was trying to accomplish. Hmm. He was to be like us so that we have that. We have somebody who went through all the same temptations that we went to, but was able to come out the other end sinless. Right. Um, So I think it's kind of along the same lines as that of why living a life to become continued partnered with the Holy spirit to become sanctified also helps being is being a witness to others as well if you became perfect because we're not just talking about like you don't do anything wrong anymore Mm. um but i think if it's i think at the heart of your question is this idea that like the holy spirit kind of regenerates you into perfect new life because it's all kind of connected right Mm mm-hmm And if that's the case, and Jesus has already died, paid the price for the sins you committed before then with his death, then you probably wouldn't need to die. And if you don't need to die, and there's just these perfect people going around, but they're living in an imperfect world, then the return of Jesus starts to get a little bit muddy of like, why, like, what what is his coming back doing for his his people? Uh, Mm -hmm. Or is it just to wipe out everybody else? But then like also if kind of what Daniel was saying, like if you, you know, the, if you become perfect, then there's like this really interesting dynamic with the rest of the world of like, how are you going to like, how are you going to relate to them? Also, why would, if they're mm-hmm. seeing you in this like perfect, cause again, it's not just morally perfect, right? It's like perfect right. uh, apart from the corruption of sin. So like, if they're seeing you get all this great stuff <laughs> in your life, <laughs> you know, and that kind of, I don't know, maybe it makes the, the gospel a little bit more like, um, about what you could get now, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of problems with it. That it would just make a lot of things mm-hmm. really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think the person would be able to live on the earth. I think he would get killed. Mm-hmm. But look at what happened to Jesus. <clears throat> he had followers that loved him, but he had people that just loathed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd heal somebody, and they'd say, "Okay, we've got to kill this guy." Mm-hmm. I think that's what would happen with us mm-hmm. if we ever became perfect. Sure. Yeah. And there's also like the the aspect if we become perfect, but then like 
we still have the capability of sinning. So we became perfect and we sinned. So we go back down. Right. Then we'd have to like, and I think that's kind of where like some Catholic theology is Mm -hmm. rooted in. Like you become perfect and then you keep on sinning and you have to like do these things to be made perfect again. I could have read that wrong when I was learning about that, but that's like the general cons- like thought that I have from mm. learning about how like, Catholics view sanctification. Hmm. Uh, th- this is also, I don't know because the idea of perfection is like complicated, mm-hmm. but as it stands right now, like we really have to rely on, on the power of the Holy spirit to live the life that we have been told to live by Jesus. Right. And if we were perfect, granted, if we were perfect, then I guess we'd be like in perfect communion with Jesus. So we'd still be reliant on him, I guess, but it would, it'd be different. And again, it's kind of like, are we, are we perfect in the sense that we can't sin anymore or do we just choose not to? Cause if, cause then like, where's the reliance on you? Cause the way the Christian life is right now is in many ways, sort of like, you know, I forget where I read this, but this idea of like, you know, it's by faith that you're saved and also like kind of God provides the faith. Right. Um, so it's like everything is just like totally dependent on him. But like if we became perfect at the moment of also like when would it happen? What happened at the moment of conversion or what it had? Anyway, we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> you know, there would just be less reliance on, on mm-hmm. him and maybe it wouldn't matter because we'd be perfect. So maybe we'd be like perfectly reliant on him anyway. Right. But we wouldn't be reliant on him for like our day to day. Right getting by, it'd be kind of mm-hmm. different. Final thoughts on that before we move on? I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Why, why not, Bill? Because I'm, I'm just a dyed-in-the-wool sinner. I mean, it's just mm. keeps on happening. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, listeners, if you ever find someone who became perfect upon receiving the Holy Spirit, <laughs> mail them to Bloomingdale Church. <laughs> it's a podcast at BloomingdaleChurch.org. Not, don't email them. Just mail, mail them. them. Mail them. <laughs> Put them in the mail. Put a hole in the box. Uh, <laughs> they don't need to breathe. They're perfect. <laughs> uh, let's get into topic of the week. Uh, time of the week this week, uh, two different topic of the topics of the week. Topics of the week. Um, as an aside, is the printer fixed yet? Yes. I, I printed. Sweet. Yes, it is. Great. Uh, two different topics of the week. Um, our first one, uh, I want to talk about um, something that, that uh, Bill, you, you brought up uh, before the show, um, but it's something that we all uh, have some experience with. Um and it's this idea of as we get older, um, our bodies breaking down, um, our bodies slowing down. Um, and this is kind of a big question. Um, so feel free to break it into whatever pieces you want. So why does God allow um, old believers to decay, to fall apart, um, for their bodies to shut down with age? And specifically, the angle I want to take on that is, what is the value to said believer? What what things can be learned about the personhood of God by by your father, Bill, um, as he loses the ability to eat things? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what can how can it strengthen faith? 
and how can it serve as a witness to the people in their lives who do or don't know God, right? How can your dad speak to, how can he witness using the breakdown of his body, um, whether it's in spite of the breakdown of his body or even, you know, in full acknowledgement of it? I'll take a stab at this. Sometimes I think it's not really about the person themselves. Hmm. What do you mean? I have a friend up in Mount Prospect. He's got his mother living with him, and she's dying. She's on her back. She has Alzheimer's. It's advanced. Hmm. She was in a nursing care facility but burned through all of her money. So then she came to live with, his name's Rod, came to live with Rod and his wife, Jan. So they are caring for her 24-7. There was a caretaker that came in, but they felt like they were working too hard, so they quit. And they haven't been able to get anybody. And I think a lot of it's because of this worker shortage. Mm -hmm. So they sing to her, and they read the scriptures, and she spends her day just sort of like rocking back and forth, humming. That's all she does. So I look at this situation and just think, oh, this is horrible. I mean, horrible. Yeah. What's the purpose of it? And I don't think anybody has the definitive answer. So I look at their situation and I think, you know, they're in the ministry. They're... They've got this fabulous youth ministry in a real tough neighborhood. It was, it was just completely gang-infested when they started this ministry 35 years ago, and they've made progress. But I think to myself, you know, if the people in this neighborhood, they moved into the neighborhood that's gang-infested, if they are watching all this, this is making an impact on them. Mm-hmm. Kids come into the house, they see Mrs. McKenzie lying there. I think that's a bigger impression than anything Rod and Jan can say in the talks they give at the club mm-hmm. meetings. Mm-hmm. And those kids begin to see, hmm, so this is what Christians do. This is really different. Mm-hmm. They can sense the love in the room. So maybe great ministry is going to come at a time where I'm looking at it initially as this is messing up their ministry. Mm. It, it, it's a puzzlement to me yeah. I mean, because I know Carolyn would much rather go to heaven than just hang on like this. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of mystery to this stuff. Do you believe the fact that she is still here is evidence that there's still things that the Holy Spirit wants to do or say through her before she goes? Not really. Okay. I I used to think, oh, yeah, you know, you're still here for a purpose whereby you're doing something. Hmm. Now I'm thinking she is more like the object lesson. Hmm. And I, th- I think it's rough on her because... She's got no real life. She's just existing. And it's rough on Rod and Jan. But when we get to heaven, I think it'll be real clear. 
this was my plan for the whole universe. There's, everybody is either being cared for or taking care of somebody sooner or later. And if you're not, it probably means you are such a jerk. Nobody, nobody would even want to get within 10 feet of you. that right. You're not going to reach out and help somebody. Yeah. Scott? Hmm. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I know. My first thought is... I've heard this said um, by people who are not even necessarily that that old, but just like aging, that kind of like the older you get, the more ready you are, like bone deep ready to mm-hmm. to be with Jesus. Because like it's, you know, candidly as a, as a young, healthy man, like I intellectually want it, but like my body's still fine. Um, like it, it's harder for me than I think it is for somebody in their... 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, to be like, this is clearly not a good long-term place for me to be. Right. Um, and so I think that that's one thing, is that it just kind of prepares you um, for for the next step and, and makes you really desirous of the next step. Um, I also think um, that for... And a lot of this kind of goes for people who are still kind of lucid... Um, you know, it, it, it's much more hard and difficult for people who have Alzheimer's who just really aren't mentally present anymore. But for people who are, which is a lot of people, uh, even in their 80s and 90s, um, you know, you as a believer, you have a powerful testimony of what God's done in your life. I hope, and this is something that I think that you know that the the younger people kind of like we need to we need to be valuing more highly. I think the older people in in our church families of like. How are we? Because they, you know, they they're limited in what they can do in terms of mobility and stuff. But how are we reaching out to them so that we can benefit from them? Right. Um, because like I see no reason why like an eighty-something-year-old person couldn't be a, a really active mentor in the life of a younger Christian. They might need them to come to them versus the other way around. But sure, why not? And, and we probably should be pursuing more of that. So I think that the older Christians, you know, they have a lot of experience and a lot of, of wisdom, I think, and hopefully a lot of, of just um, examples of the Holy Spirit working in their life to encourage other people with. Um, I also think, like, the, kind of connecting those two ideas, as someone ages and, and as they go through really difficult things that just come with aging, when they can remain just faithful to the Lord and say like, yeah, this is happening, but like, I'm like, my hope's not here. My hope's like that, that kind of combines those two things of, of, um, uh, looking forward to the next life and kind of being a testimony to other people. Um, mm. I'm just really encouraging people. Like when, mm. when you see someone, an older, an older Christian and they're like in what would be a, you know, not a great situation to be in. And, and you can feel that, uh, empathetically of just like a really tough health situation or just like not a great living situation or whatever. And they're still just like, yeah, like my hope is in God. It's not in this. Like, that's a great encouragement, I think, to, to right. younger believers. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's other things too, but I think there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of, of um, good that can come from, from it. And it's not easy, but, yeah. um, but I think it can benefit them can benefit the people around them. And I think it's, you know, like I said, I think there's kind of an onus on on the younger generations to put them in positions where they can put the older generation and the younger generation into positions where everyone can kind of benefit from that rather than just kind of 
right pushing them somewhere else and be like, well, you can go die over there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, cause then like no one's benefiting, but if we're like really actively mm-hmm. pursuing relationships with these people, because they're still people sure, um, and providing opportunities for them to share their stories and their testimonies. And yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of really great things come from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really easy for our culture to avoid thinking about death and decay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, just thinking the difference between how like used to cemeteries used to be like around, they right. weren't like something that we it's would avoid. And, yeah. yeah. But now they're like, they're far away. They're out of sight, out of mind. And, um, even like with nursing homes, like this decay that is being kind of put now there are, I'm not saying that nursing homes are evil, um, but like some, some, sometimes it is helpful and it's really good. Um, but yeah, it's easy to want to not think about that because we try to, we rely on a lot of things to try to make sure that we live long and healthy lives, mm. um, and try to prolong death. But there's an element of like, death doesn't have the ultimate power right over it all um and i'm thinking like this past this past winter my um stepmom's dad was like she he just declined real fast um and it was really hard and really sad and then eventually like the funeral came around and we like it was sad and we were mourning but like it wasn't like hopeless yeah um because he he'd been a believer all of his life and there were things that during that time i got to learn more and more about him mm. that was like more encouraging for me um so yeah i don't think it's a terrible thing. I think God uses it for sure. Yeah. If I am, you know, as I am now, like a 27 year old and I'm looking at someone that I love who is sort of experiencing this very slow dying process, um, Mm -hmm. and, and has to sort of close various sections of their lives. I think it's easy for me to see God as sort of cold and distant and uncaring. Um, to be like, you know, my grandmother gave you 87 years of her life and like, Mm -hmm. as she should be doing like a victory march into heaven instead, you know, she's incontinent and, uh, you know, can't drive or do anything. Right. Um, and just has to wait. What is the encouragement to those people? What is the encouragement to the people who see their their loved ones and people they respect and people that they have loved their whole lives um, sort of falling apart and, and blaming God for it? Like, where is their encouragement or just the truth to them? I don't know. But I've come to the conclusion, I pray for my dad every day that he feels surrounded by love. Mm. And I also pray that he can go out with his mind. I pray the same thing for dad, uh, Nancy's dad, who's 94 and her stepmother is 95. 
it's not so bad if you still have your mind. Mm. The people I really feel for are the ones that have Alzheimer's or dementia. Man. Mm -hmm. But I still pray for them to, like Carolyn McKenzie is one of those, pray for her to feel surrounded by love. That there's just so much power. Uh, so I'll give this example. I, I remember when my mother was really, really in terrible shape. It was the kind of thing where people would point a finger at God and say, why are you doing this to her? She had all the bones in her back broken through osteoporosis. And she was concerned that she was going to continue living and living because her vital organs were all so strong. But she was in such excruciating pain, you could see tears in her eyes and just in the corners. I mean, just really kind of like smash your thumb with a hammer kind of pain all the time. So strong drugs like Norco just might as well be a baby aspirin. It just wasn't really giving her relief. Mm -hmm. So she would say to me, why? And the answer was, I don't know. But I got a glimpse of heaven when she was coming down the final weeks of her life. She was cared for by my dad and my Aunt Jenny, who was her sister and her best friend. And I'm, I'm talking about all day long. So there's the three of them all day long, day after day, week after week. And I would be called to Ohio, your mom's going to die. Come home. Okay. Get there and was a false alarm. She's not going to die. She, she rallied again. But I remember distinctly walking into the room with Aunt Jenny and my dad and my mom. And the love was so palpable. I've never been in a room where it was that palpable. Hmm. It was an honor. And, and the thing that it taught me was real love is not exclusive it's inclusive hmm. so they would see me show up at the doorstep and they'd say come on in come here close to your mom it was very inclusive and that's what the church's love is supposed to be like that we've got a great thing going here with jesus christ come on in hmm. and the love should be so palpable that people would just say i can't get enough of this i want this so hmm. even though it was horrible for her it left the three of us with this unforgettable experience of what it is to be surrounded by love. Mm. Mm. I think because we're just so selfish, we keep thinking it's about us or it's about them. And it's, there's more going on that we can grasp. And I bet I'm mm. only grasping one one thousandth of it, that there's so many dimensions to this or so many layers. I just haven't even begun to think of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the only encouragement is in Jesus. The decay at the end of the life, at the end of one's life, is just another result of sin. Um, not that person's sin, sin in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no different than seeing a drug addict, you know, in terms of kind of why it's happening to this person. And I don't know that we necessarily think about that all the time, hmm. but I think like when God sees an elderly person suffering under the weight of impending death in their body, yeah. 
Uh, not the fear of dying, but the death and decay that's happening to them right now. I think it breaks his heart because it's just another example mm-hmm. of the way that the world has been shattered by sin and 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 the effects of it. And so, I, you know, <clears throat> the encouragement there is just as when we see somebody suffering in, in addiction and we say, you know, Jesus died for you so you don't have to be this way anymore— it's true for, for dying people, too. Jesus died for you so that you don't have to be this way anymore, and you won't be soon um, mm-hmm. as long as you, you know, hold on to him. And, and that's kind of the beauty of the Christian life is it's the already and the, and the not yet. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that drug addict will probably get to experience the already for a while, um, but then when he or she ages out, so to speak, then they'll start to become more aware of the not yet. And and every elderly believer is in that is really experiencing that not yet, um, and so I think you know God is right there alongside that person, um, with them in their suffering, as they mm-hmm. suffer because of the sin in the world, and I think he you know he died for those people so that they wouldn't have to endure that because that is a result of sin, mm. and then when they pass on when he you know if they're believers I think God just takes them into His arms and and now they're with Him forever. And, um, you know, so that, that's the only encouragement, Mm. you know, and that's not, that, that's not like necessarily if you have a person who is in the midst of grief or particularly if they're not a believer, if their loved one's not a believer, you know, that's not actually going to be that encouraging to them. But Mm -hmm. in a grand sense, like that's the encouragement is that this person, yes, they're suffering right now, but what they're enduring right now is, is not forever and is in fact just another consequence of sin. Um, mm-hmm. They've been dealing with the consequences of sin their entire life, hurt relationships, you know, people that do things to them, you know, them hurting other people, other people hurting them, sickness and pain and loss, all of these things throughout the whole 80, 90 years of life are all just a result of sin, and that's mm-hmm. just one more of them. Right. Um, yeah. But they're all redeemed by Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I think the, the piece of comfort and... That I find in in this is that it does break it does break God's heart, um, and Jesus said, um, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." Mm-hmm. And the beatitudes, um, and the fact that that comfort is coming from the God who is also mourning at the fact that it shouldn't be this way. Mm. Um, Jesus, knowing he was going to raise Lazarus up from the dead, still cried. He still wept. Right. Jesus was aware of yeah. the the fact that Lazarus was going to be resurrected. Amen. But he still mourned. But he still wept, yeah. So it's not supposed to be this way. And somebody who's going through that knows that and feels that. And God is also knows that and feels that alongside with them. I think that's a really, really encouraging point that Jesus mourned for Lazarus when he knew he was going to, to resurrect him. He, um, like, you know, he mourns for mm-hmm. people now. Um, yeah. And it's not because of him. It's because of the consequences of the, the free will that we have um, mm-hmm. and the, the sin that we that we live in. Yeah. It's really easy to want to encourage in a way that will like, like remove that, remove it and like make somebody like 
feel feel better and happy. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the fact is, like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn mm. this person who is decaying. Mm. Um, yeah, I think of my stepmom who, like, as her dad was dying, like, there was so much that was going on where she, like, had to, like, prep and, like, make sure that he was covered and people were able to watch over him. Right. And there was so much that was going on that it that it would have been really easy to just, like, focus on the things and, like, not, not worry about mourning. Um but that was something that she was like really intentional about. Like, mm. this is something that I'm not like, I know my dad's going to heaven. I don't like, she was like, I'm not mourning over the fact that like, I'm going to lose him forever, but I'm mourning over the fact that he is going through this right now. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Yeah. It's interesting that we have pretty good reason to believe that Jesus earthly dad, Joseph died before, before his ministry. Yeah. Or yeah, or at least, you know, during his lifetime before he died. Mm-hmm. And so he experienced it. You yeah. Know, he yeah. experienced the loss of yeah. of of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um in that same way of you know, watching them go through it probably. And mm-hmm. yeah. what's interesting is that Jesus didn't stop it from happening. Right. Because that's like that's mm-hmm. it's interesting the, the the alliance has, you know, the fourfold gospel and, and Christ our healer is like one of the folds <laughs> and there's this kind of recurring theme of like you know you basically can rely on god to be your healer so that you like have life and have it to the full and there will come a time when like your time is done right um so like it's perfectly good and you should you know be looking to god for your healing and your sustenance but we also know that there's like kind of like a deadline of like the point where it's like okay well now well done, good and faithful servant. Right, and you're done because, like, you know, we're we're not we're not there yet. We're not in the in the eternity yet. And so, you mm. know, so Jesus didn't heal his dad, even though maybe he could have. Right. Yeah. At a certain point, you don't want to be healed either. Yeah. Mm. Just let me go to heaven. Amen. I think there's a enormous. I think the believer that should be the mindset all the time. Sure. Just let me go to heaven. <laughs> I can understand why the unbeliever, particularly those ones that get a vision of hell, and they, they're screaming that they're in hell. Okay, I, mm-hmm. that's that's a different story, 180 degrees different story. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting thought that like eventually God will be done healing. <laughs> there, that's interesting. There will be no more healing because there will be no more need for healing. Yeah. He will have done the healing. Right. That's like, doesn't go away. That's right. But (laughs) the healing is complete. There will be no more evangelism. (laughs) I mean, really look at it. Nobody's work in heaven is going to be relevant in heaven. Right. Yeah. The only one that I can... Say, well, but it'd be nice to be a musician. You right. Know, because yeah. there's going to be a lot of great music in heaven. Yeah. But it might be such that, well, what I got here on earth, <laughs> this is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Those instruments. I don't, don't know, exist. whatever whatever I'm hearing now and whatever I was doing on earth. Right. 
wow, there's just too big of a chasm here. Right, yeah. Have you have you composed any music for the creatures with the head of an ox and the <laughs> six wings covered in eyes? The great thing about those creatures is that they can sing all four parts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions and would you rather's trivia quizzes and your uh, crazy music for the angels to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Um, we don't have a closing segment this week, but I'll share with you a question. Do you know what country music legend wrote a novel about Apostle Paul? Hmm. Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash it is. Wow. From number 833 of 1001 Things You Always Want to Know About the Bible Never Thought to Ask by J. Stephen Lang. In the section Music and Art, Johnny Cash, country music's legendary man in black, recorded a number of gospel songs and toured with Billy Graham during his crusades. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, he also published a novel on the life of Paul called Man in White. Cash and his wife June made the 1973 film The Gospel Road, tracing the events in the life of Jesus. Pretty neat. I've never thought of Johnny Cash as a Christian in my life. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. He, oh, yeah. He, he became like, a believer. He has an album of, like, hymns and stuff. I thought he was just, I thought that was just him, like, being American. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can see why I said it, because Elvis has a lot of Christian songs, too. Sure. And let's face it, almost everybody has Christmas songs. Everybody right. does that. <laughs> right. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, Carey, friend of the show. My my favorite (laughs) Christmas album. (laughs) Wish she would become a believer. Uh, Amen. Amen. Um, (laughs) Send us your questions. (laughs) Send us your questions, Mariah. We know she's listening. Right. Well, right. But she doesn't ever write in. Uh, Shoot. Who's the other one? Well, so Papa Roach became a Christian, right? The lead singer for Papa Roach? Yeah. That's a crazy story as well. It is a crazy story. It's probably a a story for a different podcast, but I was reminded of that. And then there's one more. Brian Welch. From Corn. From Really? Yeah. When was that? I didn't know. Oh, quite a while ago. I'd say 10, 15 years ago. Easy. Wow. Also, um, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Cooper, really? I think so. Yes. Wow. Yes, I've read about yep. Alice Cooper. And you, then, you know who else? I, I, this is really cool. You learn this on YouTube. The Undertaker, the wrestler, the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who's always wow. been one of my favorites. It was just so creepy. Uh, he became a Christian because of his wife. Wow. Uh-huh. Didn't you say that Bob Dylan you thought once was a... Oh, my son-in-law, Jonathan, is positive Bob Dylan's a Christian and, and living the life. We got to get Bob... We got to get... Not, well, we can get Bob Dylan. Well, we can get uh, Jonathan. He, he had a Christian album back in the 70s, early 80s. Mm. And then it just seemed like he recanted, but Jonathan says, no, he didn't. And, and Jonathan and Nicole went to a concert down in Tennessee with Bob Dylan not too long ago. And wow. He had a Christian emphasis there. Listeners, we need to, to get a poll going as to whether or not Bob Dylan is saved. Uh, so if you can go to a concert as soon as possible and let us know your take, uh, I'd appreciate it. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, Thank you, Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.
brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Bub. <laughs> I like that you close your eyes when you do it. No, I just I don't want to start laughing. I start seeing you guys doing crazy stuff. My <clears throat> replacement, Mr. Clean. Max showed me about this. The Mr. Clean, uh, clean freak thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the really. But like the slow release. Yeah. Yeah. I just ordered some replacements for it. Ah, oh, that's a great product. It's an amazing... It, I don't endorse a lot a, of products. If we could spon- get a sponsor... The following is a paid sponsorship by Mr. Clean... Clean Freak. Clean Freak. <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. Hmm. It comes in lemon-scented cleaning supplies and also mint and no scent. <laughs> How about chocolate? <laughs> oh, they do chocolate flavor, your whole, but they don't do chocolate scent. Like flavor. Chocolate. flavor, but not not. But scent. not scent. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back. Thank you. Is it sad news? Um. So, when Leah cut your hair this morning, Max, she took her wedding ring, her engagement ring, and her clotter ring off, and she put them into her sweatshirt pocket. Oh. After she finished doing everything, she took off the clothes that she cut your hair in, washed them. When she finished washing them, she found her engagement ring and her clotter ring in the bottom of the washer, Mm. but not her wedding ring. Mm. So she texted me that during staff meeting, and I went home right after staff meeting before the podcast, and we looked around for like half an hour. She'd already been looking for however long. Couldn't find it anywhere. Praying like crazy. I come back and was here for, you know, a minute. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting here and I was like, Lord, I don't just like please <laughs> in the next five minutes before the podcast starts, I just I like giving God deadlines. Um not <laughs> not for his sake, but for my sake. Uh, it makes me pray more in faith. Um I was like in the next five minutes before the podcast, just I just pray that I would get a text from before I finish praying that my phone buzzes and I'm like, do I dare to hope? So Leah sent me a picture. I can show listeners. You won't be able to hear that or you won't be able to see this. Um, Leah sends me a picture. Basically, the bot. I don't know if this is universal because I haven't looked in many washing machines, but the bottom of our washing machine of the big kind of vertical drum, there's this roughly the size of a dinner plate spinny thing. Yeah. Um, and there is about a maybe a half centimeter gap around it. <laughs> nice. So we didn't even know if that was it or if it was just like a yeah. dime. But I was like, she was like, could this be it? And I was like, it could be. So I went home and we tried all sorts of stuff to get it out. We tried. First thing I tried was trying to slip a piece of duct tape because we didn't know what was underneath there. Right. So we didn't know if we like widened it, if it would just like whoop gone forever. Uh, um, so I tried like sliding a piece of duct tape in there to try and get it, just because it's like the tiniest ring in the world. It's so thin. Um, so I was like, this would you know stick it, and then but I couldn't get it to stick. Tried a bunch of different stuff. We tried a piece of string, but we couldn't get it to come back up. We tried some paper, but that didn't get it. We could move it, but we couldn't lift it. Tried a knife. And so eventually I was like, I wonder if we can take this thing off, which I had wondered before, but there wasn't going to be. So there's a center thing, pop that off, and there is just like the rustiest bolt you've ever seen in your life. 
which after like several helpings of WD-40 and literally all the strength in my upper body, <laughs> I finally got it to, at least from what I could get <laughs> right, down right, inside right. this tunnel, finally got it to turn. We lose it all the way up. Could not get the thing off. Like it just, there was nowhere to purchase it. Uh, to get mm-hmm. purchase on it, so we couldn't get it off. So then I was like, I got a pry bar. So I stick my pry bar in there, and I'm, like, trying to get it out, and it just isn't budging, and there's not really enough worm to, like, get enough leverage to, like, really force it off. Mm-hmm. So, But then eventually I realized I can, with this pry bar, and through all of this, the ring is, we can still see it. So right. it's like, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. So eventually I realized we can, if I jam this pry bar in, I can make enough room. And I was doing it on the other side from the ring because I didn't want to damage the ring. But I was like, if I do this to the left of the ring or the right of the ring, I can move this thing enough. So jammed it in. Took the, uh, inter- I, interestingly, before I left, I got this tiny little, actually I didn't bring this back, oops, this tiny screwdriver, which I had used like a week ago to tighten my microphone mm-hmm. thing. So I knew it was there and I knew it was tiny. So I brought that back, jammed the thing. That was actually the first tool I tried to use to get it out and then kind of stuck it in there and just kind of lifted it out and now Leah has her wedding ring again. Amen. Hey. Oh, that's great. We're nice. really, really happy about that. Oh, um, so... That's where I was. <laughs> nice. Well, we haven't started yet. Wow. Really? Well, yeah. Max and I were both right. We were both right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw. I saw you guys walking around staring at the ground. I was like, I wonder what they're praying for. And he thought you were looking for something. <laughs> you were both right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do a sound check. Go around and say boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Sweet. Well, we're starting 40 minutes late, so uh, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church 40 Minutes Late Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am running behind. Well, I'm not running behind. We're all running behind. And with me this week, I'm going to start over. 